Firstly, happy Easter. Happy Easter to you all. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. What, a, what an incredible truth. Christ is risen. You know, this is the very thing that the Christian faith has continued to declare over 2,000 years, that Christ is risen indeed. And I think this is probably our fourth or fifth online service on a, on a Sunday. And um, we want to be able to continue to share the word of God to the people of this world, regardless of where they are. And this morning is no uh, exception. We want to be able to share the very truth that Christ is risen. And what a beautiful thing that, that we're able to live or face tomorrow because he lives. If, if there's ever a time that that's going to be so real, it's the time that we live in today, this, this pandemic we live in today. To know that Christ is risen, we can face tomorrow. What a wonderful truth. What a wonderful truth. So wherever you are this morning, um, whether you're um, not far from my home or whether you're uh, in another suburb or if you're in another state or even another country, I pray this morning, I pray this morning that you open your hearts to listen to this wonderful truth that Jesus Christ is risen indeed. Try not to be distracted. I know it can be very easy. It's easy to be distracted in your homes as you listen, but I pray that you really open up your hearts to hear what God has to say to you. And I pray that even at the end, that you somehow even stay connected with us, um, whether it's whether it's sending us an, an email or texting us or having a chat afterwards. Uh, we, we'd love to hear uh, from you and we'd love to hear perhaps uh, where you're at and, and we'd love to share with you more and more the things things of God. So happy Easter. Christ is risen. Let me pray for us this morning as we um, as I come to share with you some thoughts from, from the Word of God. So please join me as, join me as we pray. Loving Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have that Jesus Christ, he is risen and risen indeed. Lord, what a marvellous truth that we can celebrate, that we can rejoice in and that we can experience in our lives. Lord, we pray this morning that you open our hearts to listen to what you have to tell us. We thank you that you are present. We thank you that you are there to speak to us. And we commit this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been so encouraged with, by the church over the last few weeks. It's been really encouraging by people's uh, love for God's word, uh, love for God's truth. Um, and I think regardless of the distance that's been there um, amongst us, regardless of how far we have to be from each other and, and not be in each other's homes or or in the church, I strongly believe that with God there is there is no such thing as social distancing with God. God is a very, very present help in time of trouble. In fact, this morning, there is no distance that can stop God from reaching your heart. There is no distance that says to God, oh, that's too far for me, but I want to speak to you. I want to speak to your heart. I want to come and actually into your life because with God, there is nothing, there is no barrier that can separate him and you. If you open your heart, if you open your minds, if you open your life, Lord Jesus Christ is there. He'll come. He'll go through walls. He'll go through doors. Doesn't matter how, how, how strongly those doors are locked. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come in um, and, and make himself known to you and be your peace because you have said, Lord Jesus, I invite you. If you're going to invite anyone into your home at the moment, if you're going to invite anyone into your life at the moment, the person you can invite is the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome him. Bring him in. Have him every day. Invite him. Enjoy his presence because there is no distance with God. God is not about distancing himself from you. In fact, he wants to come. He wants to be part of your life. And why that can happen is because the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Why that can happen is that we don't invite a dead God into our home. We don't invite a dead man into our home. We invite the risen Jesus. He is alive and because he lives, I can face tomorrow. In fact, I used to have, I talk often about a, a bumper sticker of a car that I used to have that used to say, um, Jesus is alive and well. I spoke with him this morning. I spoke with him this morning. This is the risen Jesus. He comes and he wants to invite himself into your heart. Nothing is going to stop him from reaching your heart if you open your heart to him this morning. So what I, what I hope and pray this morning is that when you hear God's word, you're opening your heart not to what I have to say, but what the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to say to you today. He rose and he speaks 
today. And that's a wonderful truth. So what we're going to do is read from a passage in John chapter 20, in John chapter 20. So I'd like you to, I'd like you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 20 if you've got a Bible with you. And um, you can go probably towards the end of it, um, but I'll, I'll go to it soon in a moment. We're going to start from verse, verse 19 in a moment um, in, in John chapter 20. So while you're going to that chapter, I'd like to ask you a question. Now, some of you who are more familiar with the scriptures would be um, a little bit maybe familiar with why I'm asking this question, but I want you to think about this question I'm about to ask you. The question is this, the faith you have, the faith you have at the moment, would you rather have this faith having seen the risen Christ or would you rather have this faith not having seen the risen Christ? In other words, would you rather have lived in the time when Jesus rose from the dead and you saw him and you said to yourself, wow, there he is, the risen Christ. Would you rather have this kind of faith? Or would you rather like today, the the time we live in today, have a faith that says, I believe even though I haven't seen him. Where is faith? Where is faith most powerful? In the seeing of things or in the believing of things? Believing something or believing in the words of God and what he has declared to us because we believe him to be faithful and true. We believe him to be true in all that he says because our faith like a child rests Rest peacefully in the truths and in the ways of Almighty God. That God speaks it and we say, God, we believe it. We're like Samuel that says, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. Lord, because you say it, I believe it. The world can come up with philosophies. The world can come up with ideas. The world can come up with all kinds of things. But because, Lord Jesus, you speak and you are words of truth, I believe. You see, I believe the Bible teaches us something very, very profound. It teaches us that faith is most powerful, most powerful when you don't see, when you don't see. So according to this, I would rather have a faith that has not seen the risen Christ. I would rather have a faith that says, hey, it happened 2,000 years ago, but I believe because this is where faith becomes real and this is where the experience of faith most powerfully works in our lives as Christians. Oh, we can talk about resurrection. (laughs) We can say, oh, Jesus rose from the dead. This is what the book says. This is what theologians say. This is what the internet says. We can talk about the resurrection. But at the end of the day, what is most significant, what is most significant is that you believe, is that you believe because he speaks it. He speaks it to be true. So we're going to talk a little bit today about a man called Thomas. Now, if you know me, You know, I'm the sort of person who I don't like labels. I don't like putting labels on people because of certain characteristics or certain intelligence. I don't like saying things like, oh, there's there's, um, crazy so-and-so or there's dumb so-and-so. I don't like putting labels on people. I think people are made in the image of God and, and God's love for them goes far beyond who they are as people, though they need to come to a saving faith. Thomas, sadly, was given a label. Over time, if I said to you, what do you remember about Thomas? Most people, most people would say, oh, you mean doubting Thomas? You mean doubting Thomas, Thomas, who doubted the Lord? I don't think that's a bit unfair on Thomas. In fact, the more I read this scripture, the more I reflected on this scripture, I'm going to suggest to you this morning that he actually was far from doubting Thomas. Yes, he doubted. Yes, there were things in his life that he struggled with. But to label him doubting Thomas, I think, is genuinely unfair for him. And I want to explain to you a little bit about what Thomas did that for us becomes an inspiration, and something that inspires us to, to be all that God has called us to be in a time where we don't see, where it's actually not believing, a time when it's actually difficult to believe. You see, the resurrection, brothers and sisters, the resurrection is is the climax of the Christian faith. Everything from creation, when God created things to the parting of the Red Sea, to the, the, the throwing down of the walls of Jericho, Daniel in the lion's den, the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, everything was building towards this marvellous resurrection. This was the peak, the climax of everything that God was waiting for. 
His bride was going to be purchased and now the, resur- the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. This is the great end, not, not the end, but this is what the narrative was working toward, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So why? Because God wanted to find a way that he could love you and me so intimately that he had to give his son, but this wasn't going to cut it. What had to happen was he had to rise from the dead and demonstrate himself to be the son of God. And in this now, God can say, hey, I want to love you and you now can love me. And this climax of this resurrection is so remarkable that it's no surprise. It is absolutely no surprise that people are going to oppose it. Is it? Are you surprised when people say, oh, resurrection, these Christians, they're they're mad because they believe in a resurrection. For sure that's going to happen. For sure the devil is going to find very creative ways and very creative people in this world to oppose the resurrection to the point where even the Christian starts to think, maybe, maybe, is is it true? Because this is the very climax of the Christian faith. So how beautiful it is when the Christians turn around and say, so what do you want to say? Think what you want to think. I believe he is faithful and true. And the Lord Jesus Christ is living in my heart. He has changed my life. He has transformed me from fear to peace. He has given me from unrighteousness to righteousness. No one can deny this. Jesus Christ is risen indeed. Amen. Jesus Christ is risen indeed. And so it's going to be, it's going to be opposed. In fact, it's going to be opposed because he conquered sin and death. You see, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, all of a sudden sin was conquered. All of a sudden the very things in your life you hate doing that you think to yourself, why can't I stop this? Why do I keep doing this? The risen Christ says, it's done. It's done. I conquered sin and I conquered death. In other words, what is death going to do to the Christian? Because the Son of God rose from the dead. He's conquered it for us now. And so Jesus Christ has given us an incredible peace because he's saying everything that I've taught you, everything I said to you, I tell you how you're going to know it's true because when I die, when I die, it's going to demonstrate that me, a sinless man, came for the sins of this world. I'm going to demonstrate to you that I am the Son of God because death is not going to hold me down, praise the Lord. Listen to this verse. Uh, In Romans it says, and he was declared to be the son of God. He was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness, because that's how he lived, he was sinless, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Did you hear that? By the resurrection from the dead, Romans 1.4. Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Jesus Christ, God says this, listen, I'm going to show you everything my son did. Every way he lived, let me declare to you that he truly is my son. He rose from the dead. And so for sure that's going to be opposed. And what I love about the resurrection, what I love so much about it is God is just so in control. <laughs> it, was like, it was like smooth for God. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't difficult. It was like God was walking in a garden when the resurrection happened. It was smooth for him. It's so smooth that when the disciples got to the grave, they didn't see all his clothes um, thrown everywhere, like as if he was stolen, as if he was somehow robbed from the grave. Then they saw the linen that was wrapped around his head folded nice and neatly. What is that? Why does the Bible even say that? Folded neatly. Because you know what? For God, it was smooth. It was like this. It was like Jesus Christ rose from the dead and thought, oh, okay, let's fold my cloth, put it down, and out I go. Because this is part of God's plan from creation. It was all part, it was the climax, it was the peak, it was always going to happen. And faithful Lord Jesus Christ lived faithfully to his, toward his Father and fulfilled by the spirit of holiness and by his resurrection that he is Lord. Christians, you don't need to fear You don't need to worry. You don't need to be concerned. All the thoughts and all the ideas, the resurrection, listen carefully, listen carefully. The resurrection is yet, 2,000 years, has yet to be disproved. Not Not that we even have to worry about that, but it's yet to be disproved. All the evidence still points towards a resurrected Christ, and it's in him we have faith this morning. What does fascinate me is this, and I'll get to the story in a moment. What does fascinate me is this. Why does the Bible give so little time to the resurrection, the Gospels? 
Like I, I find that fascinating. Um, what, what in all the gospels you'll see that maybe a chapter, maybe in one gospel there's a couple of chapters. Why is there so little devoted to the resurrection? In fact, there's more devoted to the birth of Jesus. When you look at verses, there's more. Like why is it that the resurrection is limited in that sense? And I was pondering on this and I thought, well, there's at least a couple of reasons. There's at least two reasons that come to my mind. And you might have more. You might have more reasons why you think it's limited. But let me share with you two reasons that came to my mind why perhaps there is so little devoted in the Gospels to the resurrection. The first reason is this. There's a whole book called Acts. That's devoted to the resurrection. Did you think about that? All of Acts is everything about Jesus Christ having risen from the dead and going about healing and saving and declaring the truths of God through his disciples. In fact, you know, I think Acts 8, the first martyr is Stephen. He's being stoned and the Bible says there's Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Here he is. All of Acts is devoted to the resurrection. So listen, it needed more than a chapter. It's so profound and so such a climax to the faith that God says, I'll give you a whole book on the resurrection called the book of Acts. And if you haven't really studied and read through the book of Acts, it blows your mind away because it shows the acts of the spirit, the acts of the apostles, because Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead. Listen to this verse in Acts. It says this, and this is talking about the disciples. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony, listen, their testimony to the resurrection of, of the Lord Jesus. And because of this, the Bible says, great grace was upon them all. Wow. The whole book is given to the resurrection because the, the disciples, what they were doing, they were sharing their testimony. Hey, we've seen the risen Christ. We've experienced the risen Christ. He's changed my life around. He's turned it upside down because that's what a resurrection does. The resurrection of Jesus turns your life upside down. See, the world is tired. The world is tired of people that say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I go to this church. I read my Bible. My church is so big. My church is so fancy. The world doesn't want to hear that. What the world needs to hear is that you were broken and Jesus Christ healed you. You were caught up in sin and filth and you were doing things that are shameful, hurting your families, hurting your loved ones, and Jesus Christ healed you because he rose from the dead. That's what the world needs to hear. It needs to hear the gospel, the resurrection of Christ. And when Jesus Christ comes to live in your heart, uh, Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's is the story of the resurrection. And so what they went around doing was, hey, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He lives in me. He's changed my life around. I was a fisher of fish. Now I'm a fisher of men, whatever their testimony was. And the Bible says, because it is God gave great grace upon them. They were testifying to the resurrection of Christ. Now, were they opposed? (laughs) Absolutely. Were they laughed at, ridiculed, uh, persecuted? Absolutely. All those things happen. No different to today. But it did not stop them. It did not stop them testifying to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, brothers and sisters, call yourself whatever you want. Claim to be whatever you want. Claim to have been as well read as much as you want. But if the resurrection does not turn your life upside down, then it is not the resurrection for you. There is no power in the resurrection for you. There is no life in the resurrection for you. If it has not freed you, listen, if it has not freed you from your sin, then it is not the resurrection. Do you understand? This is the faith. This is the faith of the Christian. This is why they could testify. Can you imagine them testifying to something and Peter and John were walking down the street testifying and then Peter turns around to John and says, oh, what are you doing, John? You know, like they were arguing and, and people were looking at them thinking, man, what are, what are they? Are they Christian? You know, it's what they're testifying is that there is now love that has filled their heart, that they love their enemy and they love their friend, but they love God above all people. This is the testimony of the resurrected Christ. So, one of the reasons why I think so little is given is because God says, I give a whole book. I give a whole book to the, to the resurrection of Christ. Hey, listen, there's another reason I believe. There's another reason I believe why there's so little given to the resurrection in the Gospels is because, listen, we are that story. We, the Christian, 
continue to be the story? How many chapters, how many books have been written about the resurrection because it is a testimony of our lives, your life, my life, all the Christians out throughout the centuries? They continue to be the story of the resurrection. It has not ended. It continues even to today. And that is why your life, our life, my life, our lives must testify to the resurrection of Christ. Otherwise, there is no resurrection. Where is it? Where is it? Talk as much as you want. But unless the Lord Jesus Christ is living in you, doing a great work in you, changing you from a man of hate to a man of love, a man of, of, of regret to a man of peace, Unless the resurrection is doing this, then where is the testimony of this resurrection? Where is it? That's why Paul says this in Philippians. He says that I may know him. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings that I may make becoming like him in his death, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Praise the Lord. You know what that means? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Romans 6, that because he has risen, we ought to walk in newness of life. When Paul says, I may know him in the power of his resurrection, what Paul is saying is this, I live in such a way that the resurrected Christ has changed my life that the old me is no longer to be seen. I walk now in a newness of life. Paul says, I want to know this. I want to know him because you can't uh, experience unless you first know him, until you first give your heart to him, you give your life to him, you confess your sins and you say, Lord, I need you, I'm a sinner. You come to him, you say, Lord, I need you, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And Jesus says, I'll come into your life, I'll turn it around, that it's never the same again. Paul says, walk in this newness of life, that I may know him and the power of his Resurrection, Brothers and sisters, the reality for Christians is not knowing about the resurrection. It's not knowing it. It's believing it. It's living it. It's experiencing it. This is the faith that we as Christians say, I believe because the Lord Jesus Christ is risen even if I haven't seen it. The problem is this. Today, many Christians, many Christians are still seeking the living among the dead. Did you know that? They're still, this is Christians I'm talking about. They're still seeking in the living among the dead. They want to live life. They want to be free. They want to know Jesus. They want to experience his power. They want to experience his love, his life. And yet they dwell amongst a teaching and a theology that's dead, that doesn't give life. They're seeking the living among the dead. They're satisfied going to their churches or going to their books and going to their internet searches and going to their philosophies and they're sitting there and they're, they're lapping up all these things, but it's dead. It's not giving them life. It's not being taught accurately. It's not being taught as it ought to be taught. So they're seeking life among the dead. Now, I don't say this to be disrespectful, but what I'm saying is this. If you've been a Christian for so many years and your life is still the same, if your life is still the same, then where are you seeking truth? How is it working in your life? Are you, I'm just suggesting, are you someone who is seeking the living among the dead? Until you come to a place that realises this truth that Jesus spoke is a truth that sets me free. And the risen Christ must come and live in my life that I may know this freedom. The flip side of that is there are many people who are still seeking, listen, they're seeking the dead among the living The other way around, they're seeking the dead among the living. What do I mean by that? There are people who hear this all the time, people who come um, to to churches and they hear the truth, they hear truth spoken. They've been raised up in homes that have spoken truths to them. They they know the truth. They're not naive to the truth. But but in, in the midst of the living, they still seek the dead. They still seek the pleasures of life and the things of life that is destroying them, that is hurting their soul that is killing their soul, that is killing their relationships, that are hurting their families. And what they're doing is that they've got, a, they've got this life around them that's, that's living and they've heard life and living, but they, in their hearts they think, no, nah, I want to still pursue the dead. When is this going to stop for you? When is the resurrection of Jesus Christ going to hit you in the face and say, listen, you're seeking death among the living. Wake up. Because he's coming back. He's come the first time. He rose from the dead. And we're just in a time now of waiting. And he's going to come back. And he'll come back like a thief. 
And the Bible says the only thing you can do for yourself is this, is to be ready. And you can continue to seek the dead among the living, but the only person you're hurting, my friend, is you. That's the only person you're hurting. Yes, you bring pain to other people, but at the end of the day, the person you're hurting is you. And so this Easter time is a good time for you to say, just stop. Just pause and say, what do I really believe? If I really believe what I'm hearing, what am I doing with it? What am I doing with it? And why do I keep seeking the dead among the living? And today, my friend, is an opportunity for you to say, Lord Jesus, enough is enough. You rose from the dead, and despite all the opposition, I choose and I dare to believe in what you did. And in knowing this, you're going to look after me, you're going to take care of me, you're going to give me life, you're going to turn my life upside down for the good, and I'm going to be who I really was meant to be. I'm I'm going to live out the way you really designed me to live. And thank God for that. So, 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 so stop seeking the dead among the living. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ and find your peace in Him. All right, I better go to the scripture. So let's 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 look at um let's look at John chapter John chapter uh, twenty, John chapter twenty, and um, um, to give you a bit of a background to this to this passage, um, there was in this time of the resurrection. There was a lot of a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of mixed emotions, not, not dissimilar to the time we live in today, not dissimilar to the pandemic we live in today. There was a whole mixed emotions. There was doubt, there was fear, there was amazement, there were questions, uncertainties. Uh, people were locking themselves up in rooms. This is not dissimilar to what we are experiencing today. The experience of the disciples was very, very similar. Um, let me let me read you some scriptures to highlight before I read you this passage here. Let me read you some scriptures to highlight how these emotions were so mixed. Listen to these scriptures. Matthew 28 says, But the angel said to the woman, this is after the resurrection, the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you see Jesus who was crucified. What did he say to them? Don't be afraid, because there was fear. There was fear. Okay? Uh, Mark 16 says, And they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Listen to the emotions, the mixed emotions. They were trembling. They were astonished. They were seized. They were gripped by these emotions because they were afraid. Does that remind you of the time we live in today? Luke 24 says, Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told them these things to the apostles. So these women told the apostles what they had seen. Listen, but these words seemed to them as an idle tale because they did not believe them. Sound like today? Fears, worries, doubts, confusion, despair. I don't believe what you're saying to me. I can't believe what you're saying to me. Truly, in this time, listen to this from Luke 24. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Again, because there's trouble, there's doubts. In this. this is the context in which we're about to read in John 20. And then I love this one, Luke 24. Listen to this. And this is the disciples. And while they still disbelieved, listen, while they still disbelieved for joy and were marvelling, he said to them, you got anything to eat? You know, again, smooth Jesus, smooth. The resurrections are smooth for him. They are finding it really hard to believe because they've got so much joy. You know, when you hear good news and you think to yourself, really good news, and you think to yourself, I can't believe, really, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. This is, this is how they felt. This was, they were so amazed out of joy. They thought, no, no, that can't be him. That can't be him. And he says, got anything to eat? You know? It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So this is the context in which, which they were speaking. So in John chapter 20, in all this fear and despair and, and, and concern and doubts, Jesus says in this passage three times, he says the thing that people long so much for. He says the thing that he promises everyone who comes to know the risen Jesus. And this morning, I suspect this morning, there are a number of people listening to this message and perhaps many messages around the world 
who don't have the peace of God. Uh, you know, they have moments where they feel peaceful because maybe they're listening to a good music, good song. Uh, maybe they're having a good conversation with someone. Um, maybe they've read something really inspiring and they feel peace for a moment. But the peace that passes understanding, the enduring peace of Jesus, he comes and in the midst of despair, doubts, confusion, fear, three, three occasions he says, peace. Listen to this, verse 19, chapter 20, verse 19, the first one. In chapter 20, and on the same day evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now the doors were shut. They were isolating themselves. Why? Because there was fear. There was concern. What's going on out there? Who's out there? What's going to happen? We can't go because the Jews heard about the resurrection of Christ maybe. Maybe they heard some rumours. Maybe they heard rumours that the disciples stole his body because that's what that's kind of the rumours they made up at the day. And so here they were locked up, isolated, all together, saying to themselves, we can't go out. The doors were shut. Jesus, smooth again, walks through. Bible doesn't say he opened the door. Bible doesn't say he went through a window or a crack in the wooden wall. It says he walks in and, you know, and he's, the first thing he wants to say to them is this, peace be with you. I want you to know peace. Just, just calm down. Peace be with you. He goes on and says the same thing, verse uh, 21. And Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So the second time in moments, he says the second time, peace to you. He wants them to know his peace because this is what the resurrection is. And you can continue to search the dead amongst the living and you can continue to search pleasures wherever you want. But Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead that you may know life and in knowing life you may know his peace in the midst of the fear and the confusion and the isolation and the pandemic and the worries of life. What he says, I want you to know peace. I want you to know the resurrected Christ. Do you know him? Now's the time. Now, people ask me, what do you think this time is about? Very simply for me, this time is for you to stop and wake up. Stop and say to yourself, what do I really believe? What do I really believe? And if you know Jesus and if you believe Jesus, this cannot rob you of the amazing peace that Jesus gives us in life because this is the life that turns our life upside down. This is the truth. And so this is the second time. And then the third time, verse 26, is this. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas said with them, Jesus, uh, and Thomas with them, and Jesus came, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, again, the doors being shut, stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. I, I think we're coming to understand something here. Jesus wants to say three times in this context, he wants to say to them, Hey, I have peace for you. I have peace, my peace that I want to give you. And so this is the peace that Jesus wants to give. Listen to this. Um, Listen to this commentator on the words of Jesus. He makes a Bible commentator. He wants to, He talks about what these words of peace that Jesus spoke. He talks about his voice or his words. Listen to, listen to what he says. It is a voice from the darkness beyond the grave into which the living have tried in vain to see. And the voice is one of peace. It is the message, listen, it is the message of the conqueror of death to man who has conquered in and through him, declaring that victory is won. It is the message of atonement, declaring the peace which flows from pardoned sin, forgiven sin, and reconciliation with God to the disciples themselves and flows and, and through them as the apostles of peace to all mankind. What a wonderful description. It's like Jesus coming, he's conquered the grave, he's conquered death, the thing that man tries to understand, what's life after death, what's life after death, he's conquered death and he says, you know, I've been there, I've come back, I've conquered death, now I'm saying to you, peace. Go, know me, go, know the power of the resurrection and go and be apostles of peace to the rest of the world. Well, friends, this is why I'm sharing with you this morning. Not because I like being behind a screen, because I believe whatever we do, God has allowed this technology because he wants his word to go to you. 
The word must never be stopped. You know, when the prisoners of Christians were in catacombs or in underground prisons, when they found those prisons afterwards, they, they saw on the walls, even though Christians were being bound, they found on the walls, the, the, the walls were being etched into the words, the word of God cannot be bound. This is why even in this time, technology, thank God, technology has allowed us to keep the word going. And so we become apostles of peace. So verse 25, uh, sorry, verse 24. Remember, the disciples saw Jesus, but there was one poor man missing. Not doubting Thomas, like people call him, but Thomas. Thomas was missing. And the Bible says, verse 24, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, We've seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Okay, listen, listen, listen to this. The disciples said to Thomas, we've seen Jesus. He's risen. We saw his face. He came. He said peace to us. He talked to us. He even ate with us. Whatever, whatever they said to Thomas, they told him all these things. And poor Thomas wasn't there. But listen, did Thomas really doubt? Did he really doubt? Like, what did he want? What did he want that the disciples already had? How is he any more doubting than the disciples? You see, they saw Jesus. All he wanted was what they got. That's all he wanted. In other words, the disciples couldn't have said to him, come on, Thomas, come on. We believe, don't we? We believe. Why don't you believe? You're such a doubter. You're such a doubter. They can't say that to Thomas because they only, they had just experienced what Thomas was asking for. It's like Thomas has come back and says to them, what do you mean? I just want what you got. I just want to see what you saw. Why are you calling me a doubter for? You saw it. I didn't see it. I want to see it just like you saw it. So Paul Thomas gets labelled doubter. When all he's asking for is what their experience, what their experience was. But it's what happens next that for me is probably the most one of the most remarkable events in scripture. What happens next for me is one of the most significant events in Scripture. You know what it is? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. For eight days, nothing happens. And for me, that just blows my mind away. They just told Thomas they saw Jesus. Thomas just said, I want to see him for myself just like you saw him. And for eight days, nothing happens. Now, I can't wait. I can't wait to ask Jesus what happened in those eight days, Jesus, to the disciples. What happened? Imagine at the start of it, the message. Uh, imagine at the start, they were like, Thomas, we saw the Lord. You know, did, did, it, did they become more intense about what they believed? Thomas, we saw the Lord. We saw the Lord. And then by day four, by day five, Thomas, we really saw the Lord. And by day eight, Thomas, we are sure we saw the Lord. Or did it go the other way? You know, um, day one, Thomas, we saw the Lord. Day four, five, uh, we, we saw the Lord, Thomas. And then maybe by day eight, did we see the Lord? I don't know. I, I don't know which way it went. But all along, Thomas waited. Why did, he, why did God make him wait? Listen, I believe. You can, you can disagree with me. That's fine because, because it doesn't really matter because the end product is the same. The end product is that Jesus Christ, the power comes when we believe without seeing. Okay, so whether you believe with what I'm about to say or not, it's up to you, but the end is the same. Your power in life comes when you believe without seeing. When the enemy throws his arrow and and it's coming towards you, I believe. Or when earthly enemies plant their schemes, you have rest. Because you believe, you believe. When there's a war in you wanting to do wrong, when you know you should be doing right, there is rest because you believe, you overcome this sin. Yeah. So God's grace 
I think, I think eight days was God's grace to Thomas. It's like this. It's like God saying to Thomas, Thomas, you have an opportunity, Thomas. You have an opportunity to do something your brothers could not do. You have an opportunity to believe without seeing me. Thomas, eight days, you have an opportunity to have something that you could say to your brothers. Yes, you believe in seeing, but I believe without seeing. Now, not to boast over it, but what we have today. And so Thomas had this opportunity to believe without seeing. Eight days, first day, second day, third day, fourth. Had this opportunity. God's grace kept going, kept going, kept going. But then it came a point where it stopped. And today, my friends, God's grace is the same. You have an opportunity today to believe without seeing. People are telling you all the time. We've seen the Lord. People are telling you. We know the Lord. We experience the Lord. Come, we believe. You have an opportunity now to believe without seeing. But there will come a time when it will stop, when it will stop. So now is the day. If you hear his voice, today is the day to say, Lord, I believe. What am I waiting for? Seven days, eight days, nine days? When is it going to be enough for me? When the Lord Jesus says, enough, enough. And so here is this opportunity for, for Thomas to be blessed, to be happy, because he has seen without, uh, he believed without seeing. So you need to make a decision. What will you do to believe? Do you need something more? than the words, the faithful words of Jesus Christ? Do you need something more? Do you need proof? Remember the story in Luke when, when Lazarus and Abraham died, uh, uh, Lazarus and the rich man died and, 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 and the rich man's in hell and, and Lazarus who was sick on earth is in heaven in Abraham's bosom and Lazarus says to Abraham, Father Abraham, uh, sorry, the rich man says, Father Abraham, please send him to cool me down from the fire and so Abraham says, I can't. And then he says, well, let him go back to my brothers, lest they come and join me in this fire. And, and then Abraham says something very significant. They have Moses and the prophets. Yeah, they have the word of God. And the brother is, knows his brothers and he says, no, they're not going to believe them. But if someone rises from the dead, they'll believe that. And then Abraham says this, listen, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, then they're not going to believe even if someone rises from the dead. What proof do you need? We are declaring to you words of life. We are declaring to you words of truth. If you do not believe this, you will not believe, even if Jesus stood before you, because the heart of heart of man is, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You are called to believe. And I know for some of you, inside there's a wrestle. I want to believe, but I don't want to believe. I want to believe. Them. And the wrestle is your nature. And what you need to say is this. It's the enemy. It's the enemy that's keeping me away from God, keeping me from the peace and the life that he wants to give me, this resurrection. And so I choose today, not tomorrow, because tomorrow you may not hear this voice. I choose today to believe. And in believing, there is great power because you don't see. This is the faith. Faith is most powerful when you're believing without seeing. And so, so Thomas was given this time to believe. Don't wait Beloved, friends, brothers and sisters, listen, this is, the, this is the key thing. Don't wait to see so that you can believe. Find your peace in believing now in the resurrected Christ. Listen, don't say, for example, oh, you know what? I worry so much in this pandemic, but when it's all over, when I can see that it's all over, when I can see that we can go back to normal, when I see that we've got a vaccine, oh, then I'm going to have peace. No, that's not faith. Faith is saying, I believe now when I can't see. You get that? Really, really important, really significant. This is the power of the resurrection. This is Jesus living in us. The other day I was coming out of the shops with my trolley, getting some grocery shopping, shopping, and my wife and I were coming out. And I stopped and I saw on the floor, on, on the ground, sparrows eating, chipping, you know, eating bread that someone had left on the floor, dropped on the floor. And I thought to myself, you're so faithful, God, because you promise in the word to feed the sparrows. Peace comes now in the pandemic. Do you understand? This is peace in knowing him. This is faith, belief without sin. It's like, it's like you saying to me, you know what? Because we're always in the same house, man, you know, I'm becoming very impatient towards those I'm, I'm around. 
I'm becoming very, I'm losing my patience to my loved ones. I'm losing my patience to my children, to my wife, to my husband. I'm, I'm losing patience. But, but when I say this is all over, I'm going to be patient again. No, that's not faith. Faith is demonstrating the power of God that you are more patient now than you've ever been because God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is living in you. And when you speak words of truth, you speak patience to those you love. This is faith because you believe without seeing. You believe in the resurrected Christ, not in your circumstances changing, not in the things getting easier. It's not like you saying to me, you know what, this difficult person in my life, you know, I'll be able to treat him better once he stops being difficult. No, you can't. The Lord Jesus Christ isn't asking you to see the person stop being difficult. The Lord Jesus is asking you to see him and that you are able to love this person even when he is difficult because this is faith in believing without seeing. Or it's like saying, you know, when the temptation gets easier, oh, man, I tell you what, I'm going to be such a good Christian when my temptations get easier. When I see that things are getting easier in my... No. If the temptations get hotter and and, and the fire is increased, this is where faith becomes real. This is where faith in believing becomes powerful because the heat is risen and you rise above because you believe in the resurrected Christ. This is the resurrection. This is Paul who says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, not that I may know him and and something of the resurrection, like it's like an item on my shelf. Oh, look, the resurrection. No, that I may know him and the power of the resurrection. When the heat is risen, the Christian rises above to their Lord. You understand? This is the power of the resurrection or the struggle with sin. You don't say, you know, oh, you know what, I've just got to avoid the struggle of sin. I've got to avoid, but sin's in you, struggling. It's not, for example, jealousy. You don't say, for example, um, oh, this thing, these things that my friends have, boy, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. I'm so, oh, I'm going to fix my jealousy. I'm going to go buy. I'm going to buy what they've got. No, you don't go buy what they've got so you can fix your jealousy. No, you say to yourself, Lord Jesus, you're, you are my, my life. You are my contentment. And so in you, I find power to be content. Whether I get it or don't get it, it doesn't matter because the power of the resurrection is in the risen Christ living in me and I am content whether I have or I don't have. This is the power of the resurrection. This is peace. And Jesus said, peace be to you. This is Christ risen from the dead. This is the experience of believers. And so Jesus said to Thomas, verse 29, he says to him, um, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is today. This is now, today, this day, this Sunday. Blessed are those who are going to believe without seeing. This is peace. This is the power of the resurrection. In this season, please, brothers and sisters, friends, stop. Stop seeking the the, the living among the dead. What is it that the word of God tells you about the resurrection of Christ? It demonstrates that he is the son of God. It demonstrates he's overcome sin and death. It demonstrates that he wants to live in your life. And it demonstrates that you can be free from all fear and the grip and the power of sin. And so today I want you to pause. I want you to stop and say, what do you really believe? You lock yourself up in a room. You're isolating yourselves. Jesus makes his way through the doors, makes his way through the walls and says, peace be to you. Peace. Are you going to accept this? Are you going to allow me to come in in this time when you're alone to come in and be your peace? This is the power of the resurrection. Listen to these scriptures on belief, on belief, when we choose to believe. Jesus said when he was about to leave his disciples, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Yeah, again, don't be troubled, brothers. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Listen to this verse in Romans, beautiful. Now may the God of hope 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. Have joy and peace because you believe. And then, of course, in Mark 9, Jesus says, all things are possible for one who believes. This is a very difficult time to believe in because we don't see. There are difficult things going on around us. There's confusion, there's isolation, there's uncertainty, there's fears. And Jesus calls us and says, hey, I rose from the dead. Deal with your sin. Get your, have your sin forgiven. Come and know me and know the power of the resurrection. And then the most beautiful thing we can do as Christians, and that's just a word for those who know the peace of the Lord, is become the apostles of peace to all mankind. In the context of this scripture, Jesus says, now go because you are witnesses of these things. Brothers and sisters, you are witnesses of these things. We are not restricted. Don't, don't worry about restrictions. We are restricted, sorry, by the law, but we're not restricted in the word going out. And I'm going to leave you with this. I want you to remember two things why you're not restricted yet, because who do you know, who do you know, and what do you know, Okay. All the people you know, your loved ones, your friends, your family, your colleagues, who do you know? And then what do you know? Do you know how to make a phone call? Do you know how to send a text message? Do you know how to use Instagram? Um, do you know how to use Facebook? What it, who do you know and what do you know? Use these things to become the disciples of peace to all mankind because you know, you know the resurrected Christ. But this morning, if you seek, if you continue to seek the uh, living among the dead, or if you continue to seek the dead among the living, then come this morning and ask the risen Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and live in your life, come and live in your heart. There's only one obstacle between him coming through that door into your heart. There's only one thing that distances ourselves to God, and that's your sin. And if you confess this morning to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm turning from this. I'm turning from this because I want to know the risen Christ. Then the words of the Lord Jesus Christ to you, 100% is this, peace be to you. Peace be to you this Easter time. Let me pray for us. Let's pray together as a church and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to work his truths and his ways in our lives this Easter time. Our loving Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the resurrected Christ. Death could not hold him down, Lord. We face tomorrow because he lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the words of peace that Jesus spoke in a time of difficulty, in a time of fear, in a time of doubt. Lord Jesus, you are our peace. And we pray, Lord God, for those listening this morning, that you would speak to their hearts, that you want to come into their homes, into their hearts and be the Lord of their lives. And I pray, Lord God, this morning, if there's anyone that's resisting, that you would soften their hearts. And I pray for those who believe that you would strengthen their faith to continue to believe even though they may not see. Father, continue to bless this fellowship and all that we do. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for this time. And we pray that you may bless this day as we celebrate your resurrection. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.